1: Go Raider Nation, and welcome to Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grote. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at egrote 5 and you can check out my work over at silverandblackpride.com. Later in tonight's episode, I will be joined by our very own Levi Damian, lead writer at silverandblackpride.com. Well, it's uh, we we had a week off, and we're, we're back. I hope everyone enjoyed their Memorial Day weekend, and I apologize for for not getting an episode out to you last week, but that's going to happen uh, you know, from time to time. And, uh, again, I hope you enjoyed your your long weekend. Anyhow, we're back, and and there's a lot to talk about. Um, And for a change, we actually have on the field real football information to discuss. This week, the Raiders uh, wrapped up their second week of voluntary OTA practices. And uh, the media is allowed to cover a very small portion of, of a couple of these practices and um, so, if you if you follow Twitter, um, you know you'll you'll you can kind of get a feel for w- what is going on at practice and who is doing what and which player is, is getting reps with the first team and so on. So that's where I'd like to begin the show tonight. I want to kind of dive into what it is that we've learned in the first two weeks of Raiders OTAs, and the first topic um, is Arden Key uh, going into the off season. Uh, the Raiders were hoping that uh, Arden would add some weight, add some strength, and some bulk to his thin frame. And by all accounts, so far he has not done so. Yeah, you know Arden
0: is um, all our second-year players. I think have been impressive the way that they've worked. We'd like to see Arden, you know, be 260 pounds someday, 257 pounds someday, uh, and he's working toward that. A.J. Nibel and our strength staff have done an excellent job. Um, He's got to get stronger to be more complete. And um, I think uh, it's going to take a little time, but he is working at it, and I I got a lot of respect for that.
1: So there you heard John Gruden uh, speaking at one of his press conferences. You know, we don't really know what, what Key currently is weighing in at, but from the sounds of it, he isn't anywhere near where where the Raiders coaches would would have liked to seen him uh, be at currently. Um, you know, with the additions of of Benson, Mayoa, and and Cleveland, Farrell, and, and Josh Morrow, you know, Key isn't going to be expected to to be in every down defensive end like he was last year. And so, you know, if he is not quite bulked up, if he hasn't quite have the strength. Uh, that they were hoping it, it may not be as much of an issue as it was last year when he was being asked to you know set the edge against the run um, you know on, on a regular basis although um, if you recall Paul Gunther uh, talked about how how um, key was you know, close on many plays last season. He, I think he said he missed anywhere between eight and nine sacks, and he credited a lot of that due to his lack of strength. So, you know, will, will, would the strength help him, um, you know, accumulate more sacks? You know, possibly, but, um, you know, he isn't going to be asked to do as much. He's going to be uh, strictly a third down pass rusher this year, uh, which was the role he was drafted uh, for originally. Another thing that we've learned uh, is that John Gruden and Greg Olson really like tight end Darren Waller.
0: Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. And I think really as good a, as good a player as Jared Cook is and was for us, I just think uh, this will really allow him to, you know, we felt like uh, would have stun his growth if Jared were here possibly. Uh, so now, now that he has that position, it's your position, you are the F, your our our why in certain personnel groupings, and and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna put you out there in the field, and you're gonna play, and you're gonna get better from playing. You're not gonna wait and, and sit behind Jared Cook and and have to wait your turn. You've got to go now. So we're, you know we're, we're really pushing him to the limit right now.
1: And those were just some of the comments. Uh, John Gruden uh, called him, said he if he continues to work the way he's working now, he could be one of the best kept secrets in the NFL this year. So those are that's that's high praise coming from his head coach and offensive coordinator. And you know, Waller is very intriguing. He's he's 6'6", 255 pounds, and he runs a four four. So that combination of size and speed at tight end is 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 rare. And you know, you may be sitting there asking yourself why why has he been unable to, you know, put it together yet? And and that's a very good question. And and I don't know if I have the answer, but I do know that you know he's been suspended twice for substance abuse and, and that certainly didn't help his development um but it seems as if the Raiders are going to give him every opportunity to uh, be successful as the Raiders starting tight end and um you know sometimes a player who's had some some issues just just needs a fresh start just needs a change of scenery and, and um, you know, perhaps that's what a player like uh, Waller, you know, is, is getting with the Raiders. And the, and the final thing that I think has been well noted in the first two weeks of OTAs is, is Antonio Brown and, and his work ethic and the energy that he is bringing to the practice field each day and how it's been very contagious uh, with his teammates.
0: Well, this the beginning of the phase one, the OTAs. You know, it's a long way to go. Obviously, I bring uh, a knack for finishing, uh, a knack for competing, a uh, challenging guys. So uh, you can uh, ask my teammates about that. You know, I'm just here to uh, put it on display.
1: So there you have it from uh, Antonio Brown himself as he's hooting and hollering to his teammates. You know, so far, so good uh, with Antonio Brown. I was one of the people who was very skeptical at first when... The Raiders decided to trade for Brown and um but so far he's proven me wrong. Um it's easy for things to you know to be all well and good right now. You know, it's OTAs and they're out there in t shirts and shorts and they haven't played a game yet. Um but as of now the relationship between, you know, Brown and his teammates and important most importantly, Derek Carr seems to be developing nicely. He seems to be um setting a very good example for um for his teammates, you know, for the younger players on the roster. So, you know, you have to be happy about um everything you're hearing out of Raiders um OTAs so far. Up next is headlines. Headline number one, the Raiders signed the controversial Richie Incognito this week to a one year prove it deal. Incognito last played for the Bills, where he spent three very productive seasons with the team, making three Pro Bowls. He retired following the 2017 season and, and thereafter had uh, multiple incidents uh, involving the law, um, some of them very odd, to say the least. Um, in August of 2018, he pled guilty to a misdemeanor disorderly conduct where uh, at a funeral home where he was threatening employees and... Um, you know, with, with, with guns that he said he had in his car. And then there was another issue where he allegedly threw a dumbbell at someone in a gym. So there's definitely some major concerns about the state of his mental health. And of course, we all remember the bullying scandal that went down in Miami with uh, his then-teammate, uh, Jonathan Martin. Now, Mike Mayock uh, this week addressed... You know, those criticisms, uh, the criticisms that the, the team has kind of been under um, you know, after signing Incognito. And basically, what, what Mayak has said was uh, you know, y- you can't have all Boy Scouts. And um, at the end of the day, um, th- their main goal is to bring in players with high character, um, clean track records. But um, after doing their homework on Incognito, um, having conversations with him, laying out um, with what's expected of him both on and off the field, they, they felt comfortable um, bringing him in. So I, I trust that that um, you know they have they've done their homework and that they have a plan in place to, to help him. And, and he's definitely on the field. He's definitely an upgraded position. Uh, I, I was not 100% sold on Denzel good being the starting left guard. Um, I do feel much better about um, having Incognito in there as long as he can, you know, keep his act together. And, uh, you know, I'm very excited right now the way the offensive line has has taken shape. Headline number two, Don Webb, the chief uh, chief operating officer for the Las Vegas Stadium, announced this week that the Raiders are in the final stages of uh, completing a comprehensive transportation plan that will add significant parking to the stadium. And that's a good thing for fans um, according to Webb, the, the newly purchased land would more than double the current uh, parking space um, at the stadium site. Um, and, th- and that was a major concern for fans. You know, it has been the, the tailgating experience. I know it's a big part of, of, of a four raider nation. I've, I've never been out there to experience it, but I've, I've heard a lot about it. And, you know, as it is in all NFL cities, um, tailgating is a major part of the game day for fans. And, and there was a, a growing fear that. You know, space was lacking, uh, and it could be an issue. But it sounds like that, that will no longer be a problem. So, so fans, you know, take a deep breath. Um, it, it does sound like you will have plenty of space there to, to tailgate and to uh, get yourselves ready for the game. The third and final headline for this week is that the NFL is finalizing a deal to play the preseason Week 3 game between the Oakland Raiders and the Green Bay Packers in Canada, Winnipeg to be exact. And, and this would be a first time for the Raiders, and I think a first for the league. Um, actually, no, they played a couple uh, games in Toronto there. The Bills, uh, Buffalo Bills, played in Toronto a couple times. But definitely a first time for the Raiders. And, you know, this is just another example of Roger Goodell really trying to uh, you know, globalize the the NFL. And, you know, the Raiders have been world travelers the last few seasons. The Having played games in Mexico City and in London, and again they're scheduled to play over in London again this this current season, and and then soon to be in Canada, um, in the preseason. So um, those are your headlines for this week. Um, up next is is my interview with uh, Raiders beat writer and lead writer for the uh, Silver and Black Pride.com, Levi Damian. On the line with me is lead writer at silverandblackpride.com, Levi Damien. Levi, welcome back to the show. How are things? Things are good. Good. Uh, now, a lot has happened since the last time we uh, had you on the show. Um, the roster looks uh, slightly different. They've you know, continued to add some players um, in the later part of free agency, and, of course, the, the draft came and went, and the Raiders added uh, several quality players there who, who should contribute uh, immediately. Um, but, the, but the first question I'd like to ask you is um, about the latest edition that was made this week, and it's brought some controversy along with it. So what is, what is your take on the signing of Richie Incognito?
0: Well, um, I guess the, the term that keeps coming to my mind is that it's complicated, and I, I really believe it is. I think you can't you can't really, on the surface, well, I guess you can if you want. You can condemn it. You can say the Raiders are are wrong for signing him. Um, you say he's a terrible person, whatever you want to say, but I think that would be, I think that's a little bit uh, shallow of an opinion. There's just too many layers to this. You you can say for certain one thing is that it is a risky signing. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So from a, from the Raiders' perspective, it it it's hard to say how smart it, smart it is. Certainly, he's. Uh, He's only a season removed from, from pro bowl year. He didn't play last year. So, you know, it's hard to say if he's uh, going to return to that form, they seem to think he will. And, uh, but from, if you're going to say he's a horrible person, you should probably um, step back and and, and really do some research on who, on what kind of person he is and understand that, that, that there is a mental illness thing happening there. I mean, he takes medication for whatever it is they've never really made public wh- whether what kind of disorder he has whether it's uh, depressed, manic-depressive, uh, or bipolar and you know or, or whatever the case may be but he does take medication for it when he gets off that medication is when things go awry so do you blame a guy for something that's virtually out of his control um or or do you not i guess is what it kind of comes down to so that's the the looking at him as a person type of thing. And certainly there are the, you know, the racial slur situation and the bullying thing that had him suspended for the entire 2014 season. You can certainly judge him for that if you like. Um, but really like the only thing you can <coughs> say for certain is that, <clears throat> sorry, is that it is a risky move for the Raiders perspective. They're hoping that he's going to be uh, going to be, the talent that he was and that he's not going to cause any problems in the locker room. A lot of the fans I hear saying, well, it's not risky because it's a minimum deal and I'm not, I'm not even, but I'm not talking about that. I don't think uh, most people aren't really talking about like the risk being how much money they could lose or whatever, because that's, that's pretty much, that's just a complete non-issue and it should be. It's just a it's a matter of what bringing in characters like him and you know you could throw in Bontez Berfick and you could even throw in Antonio Brown into that situation what those kind of characters will do to a locker room dynamic and that's really where the, what the only thing you can say is that it is a bit of a risk but uh, as far as what uh, what type of person he is that's uh, that's a lot more layered.
1: Now I I know that you've been out there at Raiders headquarters. Uh, during the past couple weeks of Raiders OTAs and, and that you've had a chance to observe some some portions of the practice. Um, so I, I do have a couple questions I'd like to ask you based on, um, you know, some of the things that you, maybe you've witnessed. Uh, first, tell me, you know, I, I've read a lot about and, you know, it's been all over social media about um, the work ethic of Antonio Brown um, from what you saw, is you know, is everything that they're saying is, is it true? Is you know, is it is it is it contagious the way he works out there?
0: Well, the he's certainly hoping it is, and some of the other players, you know, certain you can't help but think that it has to be because you know you set an example. If you're Antonio Brown, you set an example for the kind of work ethic that you know these young players are, are looking to him to say, like, what to, what does it take to be a great receiver? And he is a great receiver, and so these young players are, are naturally going to be looking at him and saying, I want to do what he does so that I have a shot at becoming the kind of player that he is and to have the kind of longevity that comes with that as well. And there's no question he has a great work ethic. I don't think that's ever been in question the criticisms of him have always surrounded what kind of uh character he is it, what kind of personality he has which is he definitely has a big personality and, and it takes uh you know it takes a certain type of team to be able to deal with that you just basically uh you, but you look at him on the field and in, in the weight room and everything else like that and the the guy is uh, obsessed if you will He's obsessed with fitness. He's obsessed with his health. He's obsessed with his craft Uh, to to the point where I I can tell you this standing on the sideline. His personal masseuse was there. (laughs) The the Asian woman uh, was being escorted on the field. and she's just, she's just there. He, he's, he's got all this staff with him. He's got his nutritionist. He's got his masseuse. He's got his personal trainers that are aside from, that he hires outside of the Raiders or any team he's with to give to him the extra leg up that he feels that he needs. And it's worked so far. And and it, I, you'd have to think it's a good example. It certainly isn't a poor example of how to, have a have a career as a as an NFL player.
1: <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um now there's there's two position groups uh in particular that I'm I'm very curious about as the the we get closer to to training camp. Uh I'll start with the secondary. It's probably the deepest position uh on the roster and there definitely is going to be some competition for some of those roles. Um, at this point, from what again, from the limited time that you've seen, uh, who who appears to be working with the first team at both cornerback and uh, safety?
0: Well, it's the same the same four that have been that were working with the first group at the end of last season. That be Gary and Conley and Daryl Worley at the corner positions, and Carl Joseph and Eric Harris at the safety positions. The only difference is now they have a you see the regular presence of uh, LaMarcus Joyner at that nickel corner position, which which most, you know, the Raiders included, are going to spend about 60%, 70% of their time in the nickel. So that's basically a starting position, whether he's on the field for the first snap of any game or not. So that's your your five that you're going to typically see in the secondary, I would think. Um, Then, you know, it would kind of matter from this point to the season it would kind of it would uh matter what what uh, Abram is able to show early on whether he can whether he can uh, break into that group or not
1: um have you seen anything from the other two rookie cornerbacks Mullen and uh Johnson have they have they shown anything that you know is worth mentioning well not
0: not really i mean you uh you're talking about you only had, we've only had two, eight, two OTAs. Um, so we watched a total of maybe three hours. You factor in the fact that the first half an hour or so is just drills and stuff like that. A total of three hours in practices that are essentially geared for the offense. To be honest, they, there's, there's not a lot of contact that happens. Um, the offense is definitely, is, is always going to look better at this time of year than the defense and and so it's, it's hard to really judge what you see from the corners this early on every now and then you'll see a guy that like for instance i think it was uh shalom lawani his his uh off season of the rookie he did, uh, as a rookie he did some pretty good things in the in otas but that's a rare occasion where somebody kind of somebody stands out during these practices so i really don't have anything anything much on them uh there were a couple of really great passes that that you think uh there was not really much that the defender could do if the pass is on point. Uh, I think, let's see, Lamarck Stoyner got uh, victimized once, I think... Uh, By Antonio and, uh, Brown, right? Got- I think that one was on social media,
1: the Antonio Brown club. Yes.
0: Yes, it was. And uh, and Dallin Leavitt um, broke up a pass that was a little bit short. Uh, he's a guy that most, a lot of people probably won't recognize, but he was an undirected rookie last year that they kind of liked... They kept around on the practice squad, but uh, outside of that, there really wasn't much to speak
1: of. All right, just a few more questions, or a couple more questions for you, Levi. Uh, the other position group that I mentioned uh, is is linebackers, and, and I know this may be tough for you to answer again because you, you've only seen limited action. But uh, you know, Vontez Burfict and Brandon Marshall were brought in to go along with uh, some of the guys like Mark Lee and Nicholas Morrow, to your Whitehead, Jason Cabinda, and they also have the undrafted free agent. Uh, Tavon Coney, uh, have we learned anything from the first two weeks of OTAs at the linebacker position?
0: Well, we've learned who's running with the first team for sure. Vontez um, Burfict wasn't practicing; he was working out on the side with the trainer for the first OTA. But he returned for the second OTA, and he stepped right into the first team work when he did um, when he did come back. Uh, he left for a couple snaps, and you're wondering if that was just going to be a temporary thing. That he was in there, but then he came right back in, and he's working with the first team. And Brandon Marshall's been uh, has been out both OTAs, so we don't really know um, for absolute certain that uh, he's going to be first team. You can just assume that he will be. And uh, I was going to say, um, oh. Um, I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought there, but uh, but the uh, the other uh, you know oh I know you know which position he's going to work at. Tahir White Whitehead on the strong side, and then uh, Brandon Marshall be on the on the weak side, and then you're you got Montez Perfect, and lining up behind him would be uh, like oh Markell Lee, and uh, I think Kabin has been working on a, an outside linebacker a lot. So uh, I don't know if that would stick that way, or if that's just how they're fitting them in right now. But that's how it's been shaking out.
1: Uh, one of the other players uh, whose name I keep hearing in, in press conferences and his, his name's popped up on, on Twitter quite a bit is, is Darren Waller, the tight end. John Gruden and, and Greg Olson both had you know, really high praise for him in, in their press conferences. You know, what have you seen from him, and, and what type of impact do you expect to see from him uh, this season?
0: Well, he's, a, he's very athletic. and they, they seem to have a lot of faith in him. Um, if only because they don't have a lot of choice right now. But they, uh, he could be, he could be something special. I mean, he could be one, he could be just what they say he is. He, he could be one of those uh, flying under the radar, ty- radar types of guy. If you look at kind of like the way his career has unfolded, he, he kind of fits that mold of a guy that, that, uh, that could be ready to break out and do something good. He certainly had, like I said, he certainly has the athleticism and, you know, the size. I mean, um, uh, Mayak made a point uh, um, during the draft to say that I thought I was looking at Noah Fant as a way to say, "Hey, everybody, don't feel bad that we missed out and we didn't pick Noah Fant that a lot of people probably wanted the Raiders to do and thought that'd be a perfect fit for that team and a perfect replacement for Jared Cook because we have just as good of a we have Noah Fant right here, the guy who's basically Noah offense clone. We have <laughs> Darren Wall, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's you know that's that's what they are hoping that they have and. uh, and there's been flashes you saw the you know certainly late last season to show you that that okay um he certainly deserves a shot whether you want to put all your eggs in that basket is another story but that's the situation they're in
1: okay and the final question i have for you um play a little game of uh over under with the raiders uh season total for wins the last time i checked i believe vegas had the raiders at 6 wins so you know the sc- the schedule looks pretty brutal um if you are a betting man, are you taking the over or under 6 wins for the Raiders in 2019?
0: I am going to say that since it's not in a half point, um I don't have to take the over or the under, I can take the I can take it right at 6. So I'm going to go with the push.
1: Okay. All right, fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) Well, that's all I have for you, Levi. Uh, Thanks again for uh, hopping on and and sharing some of your time and and some of the thoughts on Raiders OTA with us. Yeah, no problem. All right, keep up the good work, Levi, and uh, we'll be in touch. Take care. Okay, bye. That was my interview with Levi Damien of silverandblackpride.com. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the podcast. I'd like to thank all of you for your support and for tuning in and listening to this week's episode. And don't forget, you can now find Just Pod Baby uh, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. So make sure you subscribe to that. Uh, do me a favor, leave me a rating and review. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know what I can fix. I'm always, uh, you know, I'm always appreciative of the feedback. I hope that everyone has a great week and go Raiders!